Welcome to GP Bullhound's Tech Thoughts, a weekly overview of economic developments in international markets. Hello and welcome to GP Bullhound's Tech Thoughts. Today is the 18th of November and we are here with Inge Haydorn and Jenny Hardy for our weekly market roundup. Today, the team will recap some of the latest headlines and insights from the public market and comment on results on Infineon, Applied Materials, Cisco and others. Over to them. Thank you very much. It's Inge Hayden here, Portfolio Manager at GP Bullhound. Hi there, it's Jenny Hardy, Portfolio Manager at GP Bullhound. Let's start talking in the market. I would say nothing new under the sun. So we're still trading around uh, with uh, inflation and interest rate movements. But one thing we would like to highlight in the, on the tech side is that Tech has done quite well lately, but it's still very, very fragile, as we saw with Micron coming out with some statements and really turning the market around, uh, which is so sad. showing us a little bit how sensitive the market is. And the interesting thing is that Micron stated and that demand was uh, sorry, weaker going into 2023. They were kept spending a little bit. But put that into context, you had Infineon coming out saying they're building a new fab for $5 billion and the market really didn't react positive on that, really didn't react at all. So that tells you a little bit about the dynamics of, of the market it's, uh, today. Yes, um, I just want to highlight before we go into um, the nitty-gritty details, looking at, at our portfolio this week, uh, I think it's just amazing. We have had Infineon reporting, we had Palo Alto Network reporting, ASML on Friday last week, and Cisco and they have one thing in common. They've all raised guidance in this economic downturn. Yeah, that's, it's amazing. It's really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And um, perhaps let's let's start with Infineon, which was a uh, surprise pre-release on Monday afternoon uh, during um, market hours, which is, is quite unusual. And it's always a, a bit of a heart-in-the-mouth moment when you see that release come through. Um, but uh, absolutely sort of good news, uh, beat the quarter very impressively. But I think most importantly for us was um, that sort of long-term growth and in particular the profitability raise um, from Infineon, which I thought was very, very impressive. It's also interesting, as you put it out, that they raised guidance long-term, they have a quite interesting guidance for next year so 2023 well above the street and well above the latest notes coming out from for for example initiation from morgan stanley which indicated they thought sales will go down in 2023 so very very positive news from infineon and it's really a core holding for us absolutely and and i think if you just look at sort of what's going on with infineon i think firstly of course you have that strong secular driver of the shift to electric vehicles and um, the semi-component increase that goes with that, in particular around those power semiconductors um, where Infineon's really the market leader. But then if you dig down into that profitability and the return on invested capital, um, what we can see is that Infineon has cost advantages around its manufacturing footprint, and it's obviously increasing its manufacturing footprint. So um, that will continue to be a, a competitive advantage. And then um, you really have a, a sort of um, very healthy um, competitive environment in that there really aren't very many um, uh 
IDMs that can really do what Infineon are doing, in particular on that silicon carbide side, where um, really it's a market with just five competitors. And so I really think, you know, this is an area where Infineon are able to have pricing power and therefore are able to drive return on invested capital higher over time. Yeah, and I also find it quite interesting and people shouldn't forget about that is that the design in wins on cars are very very long and the the durability inside the car then is like seven years so Infineon winning all these great deals now is going to give them a quite good so to say return over the next seven years which is very very interesting and just also to highlight this morning that Ford CEO is out stating this morning that they also think that there will be shortage in automotive components this year. And that's also important because that also helps the pricing environment uh, for, for Infineon. So more good news on, on the semi side. And moving over to NVIDIA, uh, it's very easy to look at NVIDIA and see the top line and, 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 and the headlines and saying this is looking bad. From our side of point of view, I would say this is, so to say, stabilizing and, and almost improving because the product portfolio is the key here. And the new GPU, as they say, highlighted there, 4090, is doing really well, sold out. The lower end is still a problem and, and a lot of mining problem there and also a lot of inventory problems on the PC side. But high end is doing better and we'll probably have a, the washout of inventory done by the beginning of next year. And then you have uh, all the GPU, Hopper, uh, and uh, A800 doing healthy, we think, really healthy. And uh, the only risk, as we can see it, it, it also say NVIDIA at this point in time, is the thing that's going on in China with cloud spending, which mm. we don't really understand, Jenny, to be honest, what's going on. No, no, exactly. So um, I think, you know, j- just like we've seen in, in the U.S., um, the China public cloud ecosystem has really been built out over the past several years. And um, similar to the US, it's really the sort of China big tech businesses um, that uh, are also sort of providing um, the, the public cloud capacity. So you've got Tencent and Alibaba as, as really the sort of big public cloud providers. And um, what NVIDIA seem to be saying is that there's a slowdown in spend coming from um, those hyperscale, those Chinese hyperscalers. And to an extent, we can see that uh, in, um, in the results. So Tencent and Barber both reported this week. And although it's hard to sort of disaggregate the CapEx spend, you can see um, their overall CapEx is declining. And What's not clear to me is whether they've really overbuilt capacity and and therefore um, now, you know, there can be a sort of pause in spend or whether there's something um, kind of more uh, behind the scenes in terms of um, perhaps sourcing um, CPUs away from um, the U.S. fabulous uh, businesses. Um, But, yeah, it's really, really not clear. And I suppose... Um, the risk would be that um, we see the US hyperscalers slowing. Um, now, we've spoken about why we don't think that's going to happen, but you know, maybe you could kind of elaborate on that. Yeah, no, 
We think it could be a little bit of a slowdown in the U.S. due to the fact that you have all these new chips coming out uh, on new structures like the Genoa for AMD, but the underlying trend looks healthy. And I think given the fact that we are still in, in a very, very strong growth environment and we have newer ships coming out, we, we don't see really any reason for the big guys to really cut spending due to the fact that they have the money to spend and I don't think they want to slow down and become less competitive at this point in time, even if there's a downturn in the economy. I think they try to see through that and try to position a company for, for the long run as as once again, they have the money and they have the resources to pull in. So we don't we don't expect that. And uh, that leaves us with the last uh, part on the semi side, applied materials yesterday. A uh, little bit uh, interesting because we had this discussion, you and me, and after applied warning and said, why did they warn about this quarter? Why did they cut so much? And now it comes out yesterday and the cut was a little bit unnecessary mm-hmm. which is quite interesting because we didn't really understand it either uh, due to china and still we think they are a little bit over cautious on china yes in some type of services they need to cut because they can't serve the client but most of these things are done in nodes which are not affected by the u.s government so i, I don't think I think the effects will be less than they stated and, and the guidance for the next quarter, flat quarter on quarter, which really means that system sales in the semiconductor business is going to be up 13% year over year. Mm-hmm. And they're also guiding for a healthy Q2. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty extraordinary. I think, that, I think they cut on uh, October the 12th and uh, this set of results went to October or the end of October. So, um it was pretty extraordinary to see um, the cut and then uh, sort of rolling that back in about three weeks. And yeah, what really seems to have happened is that um, actually the China impacts were less than they expected. And, and then they had some some supply chain um, issues easing as well. Um, but, you know, we also know that clearly all of the uh, other US semicap players have kind of slightly warned around China. So um, it does feel like maybe that was a little premature um, from all of them, but but we'll see. Um, but, but I think, you know, sort of listening to the applied call last night, again, it's very clear that there are a lot of secular drivers of spend that are still ongoing. So um, I, I've got the, the call transcript in front of me, um, and they said they're all racing against each other for power, performance cost, their relative competitive position. And, and I think this is absolutely what, what we've spoken about. There's absolutely a tech leadership battle going on uh, on the logic side. Um, that's clearly driving investment. We've also got um, all of the uh, Chips Act announcements going on. And it's worth going back to Infinia. And actually, it's fab announcement came in conjunction with the European Chips Act. Um, There are also rumours this week of a Taiwanese Chips Act. Last week, we had Japan. We've clearly had the US over the summer as well. So there's absolutely the sort of tech sovereignty um, going in semi-caps favour. And then there's also, um, again, kind of going back to Infineon, the sort of structural supply shortage that we've got on some of those trailing edge nodes that absolutely kind of need to be um, need to be filled. So 
again, I mean, co- consensus um, has revenue going backwards pretty significantly for um, all of the semi-cap uh, players, except, except for ASML, um, going into next year. And I think you start to wonder whether, yeah, whether that's really realistic, given where backlogs are and given where demand and supply is. And also the last point there is a, a very interesting, even if you have a f- week then Q1, Q2 and you think and you expect things to recover, uh, it's interesting to see if, if you then cancel your order or push it out and you end up in the last in the queue, uh, how how much of that push out do you dare to do due to the fact that in the end it could be that you end up without equipment when you need it then, which has been the case in the last two years. So. It's it's a really really sort of difficult environment for uh, the vendors, especially on the memory side, given given the dynamics of the industry for the moment. Mm, absolutely, um, Palo Alto. Yes, Palo Alto and cybersecurity. I, I think the interesting thing here is that they are raising guidance also, which is very good because it's a core holding for us in cybersecurity. But I think they're in the call. They're highlighting all the things that is happening in the market, and, and it's really. Delayed of, of purchasing equipment, uh, so say scaling back, looking into ROI for investments and so on. So everything quite negative or slightly negative for the industry. But here comes the caveat mm-hmm. that clients want to consolidate on one platform. And oh, Palo Alto Network has the widest platform in the industry and thereby gaining share everywhere. Um, so I, I think this downturn in the market could be even long-term positive for them because it's forcing the clients really to consolidate on the platform which Palo Alto really has been betting on since moving away from just being a firewall business. Uh, so it's playing right in the hands in the long term for Palo Alto Network, gaining market share and, and can further invest while a lot of people are struggling with sales and keeping um, their business alive and, and earning money. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's kind of been the standout um, reporter in uh, a pretty kind of mixed quarter for some of the cybersecurity names. And I think, yeah, you're, you're exactly right that um, I think there has been a, a, a period of very strong spend in the cybersecurity space. And I can imagine that in many cases, there are multiple vendors kind of solving the same problem. Um, and I think, you know, as CTOs, CIOs kind of scrutinize that more and more, they are going to kind of look to, to simplify um, the their sort of software solution. And Palo Alto, given its kind of platform positioning, is absolutely the sort of obvious um, choice in, in terms of um, delivering that kind of cyber solution. And they absolutely spoke to that in terms of the growth being driven um, by sort of existing customer expansion um, in terms of spend. And I also think it's fair to say that that's probably spend um, that's almost easier to execute from a, a sales perspective. And it's also worth saying that Palo Alto are extremely slick sales executors. And I think um, Sometimes we we forget in software just what how important that sales execution is in terms of the competitive advantages, and it really is. And I think Palo Alto have absolutely shown that they have um, they have sort of this sort of sales execution in their DNA, and 
I think it's yeah, in- incredibly impressive, um, incredibly impressive performance. And we really, really like their comments about cash flow, stating that historically their cash flow has been below earnings growth, but will be above going forward as a lot of investments they have done to build up this platform thinking as now are now done so they can start earn more cash flow going forward so that's really really good news and uh, on that topic also cisco reported quite good security solutions business also but the key driver for us increasing our position ahead of cisco numbers was really the fact that we see the network market being very very strong driven by the hyperscalers but we also have the second leg of, of the growth they're coming from hybrid workplaces as most of us now know we can work from home if we have a good connection and, and, and the right tools and that's definitely definitely helping cisco in this market Everything, I would say, was really, really good at Cisco. Even the order book, even if it's down, it's it's from a record level. The only negative was telecom services being slightly weak. But as you know, that's a very, very volatile business. So I wouldn't look too much into it. Yeah, absolutely. Very, very strong and still super strong backlog at, at Cisco. Um, some of their comments around um, the sort of resilience of, of that backlog and um, yeah, the, the, the expectation around next year seemed very, very robust as well. Then on the negative side, um, it's not a position of ours, but we follow it closely anyway, is Embracer, the Swedish gaming company, reporting numbers, uh, which was in line with expectations if you look at the numbers. But if you look at cash flow, is really bad, um, uh, roughly losing a billion of cash flow in the quarter. If you add back the things they capitalize, which is the development cost for gaming. And they also reduce their guidance going forward on the top line, which I think it's very, very fair because the market is very, very tough. And, and as Naila has been mentioning here before, there's a strong consolidation going on towards the bigger games like the Activision game, Gods of Ragnarok from Sony and so on. So the market is still looking quite healthy for gaming, but it's a consolidation going on to the big ones, uh, which make it more difficult for, for, for smaller vendors at this point in time. And the last thing we want to mention before we leave you for this week is that uh, we had two increases in our portfolio last week. We increased Cisco head of numbers, and then we increased TSMC because we just think it's a very, very strong company with a very strong position in its marketplace. And uh, now we found, we found out that Warren Buffett also thinks that <laughs> is good news. That's good news indeed. Yeah, absolutely. So that's the wrap up for this week. And I um, um, hope you guys listen to us next week. Thank you very much. Thank you.